There you are, sneaking up behind me. Where are we for the scripture reading this morning? Psalm 103, 15 through 22. Turn to Psalm 103, verse 15. You can't leave yet. Your dad is speaking. I'm not letting you out that door. You wait right there. He is ready to roll. He's giving you some attitude. Look at that stance. Does he always look like that? No, he's on fire for something. Kids, just a second. We're going to do a scripture reading, then I'll dismiss you. Hey, get back here. There you go, right there. Wait right there. Psalm 103. We're not reading the whole thing, so it's okay. <laughs> Psalm 103. Listen carefully to Mr. Roy. Here we go. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love <clears throat> is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you as angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you as servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. All right, kids, come to the front. Come on, right here, right here, right here. Come to the front. Have a seat. Have a seat. Right there. Right there. Right there. Yeah. Right there. Good. Come on. Come on. Come on. Have a seat. Have a seat. Just a second. It won't be long. I need to explain something to you that he just read, okay? That's okay. Like herding squirrels. We just read the everlasting love of God is with those who fear God. Let me say that again because it's a lot to swallow for me. So I know it's hard for you. God loves people who fear him. Usually we don't want to be afraid. We don't want to be afraid of something, right? We don't want to be afraid. But the Bible says if we fear God, it leads to love, which means we're not afraid of God. We don't like hide from him. God is called our heavenly father. And that means we go to him, even though a heavenly father is bigger than you, stronger than you, more powerful than you. We can trust him. OK, so if we want God's love, we need to learn to fear him as God and as our father on your marks. I'm going to give you permission to run in church. OK, this may never happen again unless there's a fire. Then I'll say run. But are you ready to go to King's Kids? Go. That was a very subdued run. They obviously haven't had dessert yet. We'll fix that in a little bit. We'll be fixing that very, very soon. Our lesson today is proper fear brings benefits. Psalm 103 was one of those first benefits. God's everlasting, steadfast, unchanging love for his people is with those who fear him. Fear and love are used almost interchangeably in the Bible as pertains to God. But I thought God was a God of love. He is. But we are not to love sin. If the Bible is all about love, we've got some things wrong. It's not all about love. It's all about God, 
who he is, what he says, and a proper fear of God has some natural benefits. Or let me say that again. Has some supernatural benefits. A proper fear of God is what we've been talking about in our pursuit of wisdom. Wisdom is knowing, not just knowing the right thing at the right time, but then acting on it in the right way. And the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You want to know how to live life on planet Earth, you need to ask God for some help. And you're only going to come to God if you understand He's all-powerful, if you understand He's the Creator, if you understand He is God and you are not. That takes a certain amount of humility to admit He's God, I'm not. So for you to operate with that relationship, step number one is, I'm not God. Therefore, I fear God, and I come to Him for help. That's an act of faith. Some people fear God and hide, fear God and run away. And they've got part of the equation right. We should be afraid of a holy God. He's right, we are wrong. But that same God invites us to draw near to Him. That's why God loves the people who fear him properly. He doesn't want us to live afraid. He wants us to live by faith. Faith and the fear of God and the love of God all go together. Is God scary? Not if you're his beloved son or daughter, because he has said he will never leave you or forsake you. Is sinning scary? Yes, because your heavenly Father will find a way to discipline you. He will remove things and people from your life. He can touch your health. He can touch your job to get your attention so that you fear Him properly and you run away from sin. God is about approaching. God is very approachable. In Sunday school, in my class right now, we are talking about uh, how to read the Bible correctly when we read narrative stories and histories in the Bible, uh, we are reading stories that show how fear influences decisions. Decisions that can lead to a victory, because we're trusting in God, or a defeat, because we're trusting in ourselves. So in narratives, in stories in the Bible, fear motivates people and it paralyzes people. Write that down. Fear can motivate you to do the right thing. It can motivate you to do the wrong thing. It can paralyze you and freeze you either because of something wrong or it could even paralyze you in the presence of God himself. Fear goes both ways. And it's only right when our fear is directed at who God is. In poetry, poetry in the Bible expresses Fear as a huge component in decisions. Decisions that either lead people to God or away from God. So we can see that fear, it inspires people. Fear depresses some people. If you do not get a handle on your human inclination to be afraid and to have fear, if you don't have the fear of the Lord, you're going to be messed up. And then in prose discourse parts of the Bible, uh, which are areas of the Bible that are specifically teaching. 
prose discourse portions of the Bible that tackle fear head on with teachings and remedies between the two great sources of fear. Because fear can open some doors. Fear can deadbolt other doors. God may place an opportunity before you and because you're afraid of change, nothing will happen. You have deadbolted the door. Sometimes God opens a door and he says, hey, is that what you want? It's fortune, it's fame, it's relationship. Are you sure you want that? And a proper fear should say, Lord, I want what you want. You're going to have to push me through that door. I will not grasp and take that which everybody else on planet earth is dying for. That's, that's, that's a different kind of heart. That's a life of faith that even, even good things, we live open-handed and not grasping. That's a life of wisdom, by the way. The fear of the Lord leads us to patience. And the Bible has many examples of it. So the fear of the Lord can be negative, it can be positive, it can be a fleshly fear where we run away from something. It can be a spiritual fear where we run to God for help. It can be a sinful fear um, like a servant. A servant may serve their boss because they're afraid of getting in trouble. That's the wrong kind of fear before God. Jesus even says, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. And beyond that, Jesus identifies his followers as sons and daughters of the Most High God. And so it changes from a servant fear. We don't fear that God is going to cast us away if we don't do our job. It becomes what I call a childlike or filial fear, a relationship-based fear. Well, we're not afraid of God casting us away if we do wrong, but we are afraid of breaking the relationship and not having God's immediate presence with us. When, by the way, this is us. It is not, whenever we sin and feel far from God, it is not us. I mean, it is, not, it is not God who is moving away from you. It is you turning away from God. So what all sin is, is chasing after your own heart, chasing after your own desires without an open-handed, God, what do you want? What will you bring into my life? A proper fear of the Lord looks to Him as a heavenly Father who will meet our needs. So I'm coming in hot this morning. My challenge to you, and let me explain this after I say it. Stop being moral and upright for the sake of fearing punishment. or trying to earn God's favor. He says He cares about us, and we don't deserve it. We do not obey God so that we can be right or righteous. That is hypocrisy. That is religion. That is also humanism. It is both extremes. It is legalism. It is atheism. To live by whatever I think is moral and upright, that's making it up on my own. Or if I try to be moral and upright by what the Bible says, thinking that if I do that, then God won't crush me. Then God won't send me to hell. That's not 
the good news. That is bad news. Because there's no amount of good that you can do that will ever erase the permanent sins that you've committed with your heart. There's no amount of good works. You have no ability in these hands to remove the guilt of what these hands have done. The Bible teaches us the only way to be forgiven is through the death, burial, and resurrection new life of Jesus Christ. You have to believe the Bible is God's word. You have to believe Jesus is who the Bible says he is. And that will begin in you an amazing transformation where you fear the Lord the right way. I do not want to stand in front of God with my own sins in my hands. So how can I get rid of them? I can't. Can I just stop and then do right? No. God invites us to come with open hands. And here's the beautiful part. Once we have the proper fear of God, then we will want change of heart, change of motive, change of mind. Then we will want to please our Heavenly Father. And that is all the difference in motive. I'm not doing right because I'm afraid of God. I'm doing right because I love God. That's the change. That's Christianity. That's what following Jesus is. And it comes down to a change of heart that you can't bring about on your own. It's all about God. It's all about His grace, His mercy. And we call that, right now, the fear of the Lord. It is a good thing. The wisdom of the Bible. Next blank. The wisdom of the Bible is an invitation to fall in love with the goodness of of God the Father. And then we live out that love. We live out that love for God in moral, ethical, and thoughtful ways. I, I like putting the word thoughtful in there because I want you to understand that the way you live out your faith in some ways is just like everybody else who has to live out their faith. You have to suffer, you have to go through trials, you have to pray, you, you should go to church, you should give, you should serve. But in some ways, your faith should be very thoughtful and personal. You need to have personal expressions of your faith that are not tied to anybody else. Some of you do that. Though our church doesn't promote... Um, world vision some of you have adopted kids in africa on your own by your own initiative because god's laid it on your heart to adopt and feed and support kids month by month for their life yes that's thoughtful some of you have stopped in the grocery store and paid for somebody else's groceries hold on the bible doesn't say i need to do that well yeah if you're if if you're living a legalistic life, there's a lot of things the Bible says you don't have to do. It's just not in there. But to be thoughtful in your faith is to see a need and to meet it. And the fear of the Lord goes with you. Wherever you are, it should change you. Change the way you interact with God, with other Christians, and always change the way you act towards other people. I kind of cheated this morning. Uh, I was going to do... I'm doing six benefits of the fear of the Lord. That's the next blank. We're about to go through six benefits, and I was working really hard to make them all Solomon because, you know, we did David for a while. But 
The, I left so much of David's awesomeness on the table. I, I snatched a piece back. Um, so the first part I'm going with this morning is Psalm 103. Psalm 103, verse 11. Turn there with me. Six benefits that the fear of the Lord brings. And Psalm 103... Verse 11, as high as the heavens are above the earth, great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. Man, I'm hung up on that one. That's a good place to start. And it's going to take us many years to teach our little people that fear of the Lord is a good thing. And they're probably not going to learn it from this mouth. Because they value how you live that out more than how I preach that. Do you live in such a way that the fear of the Lord looks like His steadfast love care and concern over your life it did for David that is a benefit fearing the Lord properly helps bring God's steadfast love and the rest of the psalm uh, look, look at verse 13 as a father shows compassion to his children so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. That's another side benefit. And then also in Psalm 103, uh, look in verse 17. The steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting to those who fear Him. Like everlasting, eternal, steadfast, on and on and on. This, this love aspect of Christianity is not a New Testament thing. It's right here. It's smack dab in the heart of the Old Testament over and over again. The steadfast love of God, Old Testament, New Testament, eternal, is for those who fear Him. How important is fearing the Lord? <laughs> All important. It is a matter of faith. And now some Solomon, transitioning from David. I just had to throw a bone in there because David is awesome. He writes some fantastic things. Now we're turning to number two. The fear of the Lord brings release. Proverbs 29. The fear of the Lord brings release. Release from what? How does it feel? How does it look? Proverbs 29. 25. Is a contrast. The fear of man, mankind, or humans, the fear of other people lays a trap. If you fear other people, you're laying a trap for yourself, and you're going to step in it. You're going to get caught in it. If you fear other people, it's going to capture your attention and your heart. You're trapped. But whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. There's the contrast. Fear of man versus fear of the Lord. It doesn't say fear of the Lord. That's right. It says trust in the Lord. Fear, trust, 
hope, faith. These are all synonyms for believing God is God and you are not and you need Him to be your Redeemer. Trust Him. So the contrast here, you can fear everybody else and you're going to be trapped in this life. Anxiety, pain, suffering, misery. But whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. I have played a lot of tag in my days. And I would get, I'm a red head at heart. Not anymore, it's kind of fallen out. But Is it true of you, fellow redhead, that you get a beet red face when you're active and sweating and straining? Does that, does that happen to you? Mom says, mom says, yes, me too. And it wasn't until I was in high school that I realized when I was really straining at something, trying to get away from people, I would hold my breath. And when I got to safe, I would, I would catch my breath because now I was safe, right? It's the same way when we are struggling and striving in life. You don't even realize the anxiety that piles onto you. Maybe you do realize it because how many days till Christmas? It's coming. The stress, the anxiety, the shopping, the meals, <laughs> and you're straining and you're grinding your teeth and there's tension in your jaw and in your neck and in your back. And what happens when it's over? <sighs> Release. That's a physical response to feeling safe. When we fear God properly, He gives us a physical response in the middle of our hectic lives where we can stop, acknowledge He is God, and experience release. Do you need that? I need that. We need that every day. We need that sometimes after a phone call after an interview, after turning in assignment, or missing an assignment, or missing an evaluation. We need that. Focus back on God. It is a benefit of fearing God. Brings relief and relieves our fear of people. I've got some other scripture in there. Ezra 3.3, Nehemiah 5.9. This is not even the wisdom of Solomon. It is the wisdom of people who fear God. Ezra realizes Fear in in the Lord relieves his fear of all the people who are persecuting him. Nehemiah realizes if he fears the Lord, he doesn't have to worry about his enemies who are threatening to come after him. Release. Freedom. Don't have to worry about anybody else but God. I'm going to do what God says to do. Man, that will keep you busy the rest of your life. Forget about all the other micromanagers you've got. We need release. Fear the Lord, number three brings perspective the fear of the lord changes our perspective and shows us things we really need to see ecclesiastes 3 14 some wisdom from solomon solomon the cynic i perceived that whatever god does endures forever (laughs) Did you really, does that take a lot of depth? I mean, like, it's God, He's eternal, right? Like, okay, thanks, genius. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Here's some deeper thought. Nothing can be added to it. Oh, now we're stepping on toes. I want to add to what God is doing. I want to manipulate what God is doing. No, no, no. Nothing can be added to it. 
nor anything taken from it. God has done it. Here's the depth. Why has God done all that God has done it? So that people fear before him. Look at what is going on in life. Look at what is going on in your life, in the world, and realize nothing can be added or taken away from every circumstance in life because God is in charge of it. So that we fear him. We understand he's in charge of everything, and that changes the way we should look at everything. It enables us to accept things that are out of our control. It enables us to accept that evil is sometimes going to be allowed by God to do its worst. And evil people can't add to it and make it any worse by their hatred. It is God who sets it before all of us so that we fear Him. See that? We fear Him. We don't fear the evil. We can recoil from it. We can do things to try and mitigate the pain and and alleviate the suffering of other people. But when it comes right down to it, we cannot remove it all. God has put it in front of us, not so we'll shake a fist against him and blame him for everything, but so that we will come to him with the proper fear of him and say, Lord, have mercy and ask him for help. That's why God puts it before us. And that's our perspective. A proper fear of the Lord changes our perspective. We don't just see things from this side of earth. The proper fear of the Lord helps us see things from His perspective. And He knows what is best. Even if it looks terrible and tragic, God knows what is best. If we will have the proper fear of the Lord, it will change the way we see everything. And beyond just changing the way we see things, number four, proper fear of the Lord can bring clarity to the things we do see. Ecclesiastes 5, 7. Clarity. For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity or meaninglessness. But God is the one You must fear. Dreams can increase. Words can grow many. That's a lot of vanity. But God is the one you must fear. Dreams and words. Dreams and words. Our hearts, our minds can become very fogged up with reality. Many things that are happening or thinking and dwelling about things that could happen, our hearts and our minds can easily become fogged up, clouded by the pain and the suffering and the unknowns of life. What can give us some spiritual clarity? Fear of the Lord. How so? Because when we focus on God in meditation and prayer and corporate worship, proper fear of the Lord helps clear the fog. When we give God the attention He deserves, sometimes He sends His Spirit to calm you down. No matter how cloudy or foggy or in the dark you seem in your life, 
worship God anyway. Go to church anyway. Because sometimes that's when he brings the clarity. When you, like Moses, just push into the darkness. When everybody else falls away at the foot of Mount Sinai and say, Moses, God has asked us to come near, but we don't want to. He's scary. And they back off. And Moses says, fear the Lord and approach him. Push into the darkness. God wants to be found. That is awesome. He is a consuming fire. Walk in to the fire. All he can do is burn away all the junk that's in your life, and you will come forth as gold, silver, and precious. But we're afraid of losing things. That's where the fogginess and the darkness of life comes in. A proper fear of the Lord helps push that away. Uh, when we had a lot of crazy weather in the last week, overcast all day, even had a snowy day. But even on that snowy day, long around 4.45, just before the sun was going away, it got below beneath the cloud cover. Just a reminder. The sun was just giving us a reminder. I'm here. Winter won't last forever. The storm cannot last forever. So too with God's glory. Come sometimes, comes sometimes at the last breath of your life. Fear Him. Even if things are foggy, keep fearing Him. Keep approaching Him. There will be clarity, sometimes from day to day, sometimes not, till we close our eyes for the last time and open them in His presence. Oh, that's the clarity we really want. And it's coming. More from Ecclesiastes. Number five, fear of the Lord brings endurance. Ecclesiastes 8, 12. I personally really like this one. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times. Uh, we have any confessions here? Who just popped into your mind? <laughs> Was it you or somebody you love or somebody else or somebody on TV? Have you ever read some of the lifestyles of some of the rich and famous? The debauchery they live in? Now granted, there are a few that seem a little moral and upright, but for the most part, people have a lot more than they need and waste it. Though a sinner sin a hundred times, do evil and prolong his life, comma, yet I know it will be well with those who fear God. This is a contrast because it will not be well in the end for the sinner who continues to live in sin. But those who fear the Lord, though he has to witness the sin, see the sin, live around the sin, and it perplexes him and it saddens them, though the sinner sin hundred, a thousand, a million times. It will be well with the soul of the one who fears the Lord. 
Don't let the sin that is around you take your eyes off of God, who is a bigger reality than the sin around you. We forget that. Reality is hurt, pain, suffering, death, sickness, abandonment, loneliness. That's real. Um, Jesus spent the last three years of his life trying to teach us and everybody else that, yeah, that's real, but there's something better. And there is a God whose existence and whose reality is going to swallow up death and hell and the grave and every enemy that is against God. Every enemy against God will be taken out. Fear of the Lord brings endurance. It will be well with those who fear God. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times, we need to fear the Lord a hundred times. Though there is evil before us, we need to keep God before us. And this is where the idea of endurance comes from. You're going to have to put up with a lot of bad things. In you, in other people, and all of nature. Endure it for the sake of God. Fear Him, keep Him before you, and you can make it through. Fear the Lord and don't let evil change you. Don't let evil change you. Don't start normalizing all the evil and sin that other people say is okay. Well, that's just the way culture is today. If the Bible speaks against it, it's still sin. And it's still wrong no matter how many people vote that it's okay. Vote that it's right. Vote that it's legal. Vote that it's okay. Vote that it's legal. Ad nauseum. God's people are a people of endurance. We endure that. Because we know it will be well with those who fear the Lord. Keep God first in your priorities, in your morality, and in your ethics. And last, the fear of the Lord brings purpose. Purpose. Possibly the most famous verse in Ecclesiastes. Kind of sad that it comes at the very end. But it's a good summary. What is Solomon going to teach us next about the fear of the Lord? Well, the fear of the Lord brings purpose to your life. Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14. The end of the matter, and sermon. All has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments. See the order there? You fear God and then you want to keep His commandments. It doesn't say... Fear God. No, no, no. No, no, I need, to, I need to keep His commandments first. I need to be religious. I need to make myself right. I need to clean myself up and then come to God and then fear God. No. Fear God, and that's the only time you'll be able to finally, for the first time in your life, to keep His commandments. Fear God. Keep His commandments. This is the whole duty of humanity. Does that make fear of the Lord sound pretty stinking important? Here's the most important thing in life. Here's the gospel. Fear God and come to God through Jesus. That's what Jesus is offering us. Jesus acknowledges, 
God is awesome. He has power over demons. He has power over impure spirits. He has power over sickness. He has power over wind and waves. He can forgive sins. Come to Him. Fear the Lord and come to Him. This is our duty as a human, to fear the Lord. Verse 14, God will bring everything you do and thing you think into judgment. Whether it was good or evil, God has the final word on your life. Fear Him and come to Him. He is gracious. He is merciful. He is full of forgiveness. But only to those who come to Him and by faith ask Him to forgive them. You have to make a choice. That is your human right to choose or reject God. Those who fear God properly choose God. Those who are just afraid of God can reject Him. I'm not asking you whether or not you believe in God. The demons believe in God, and they don't love Him. I'm asking you, do you see how good He is? And do you want to experience His goodness? That's the invitation. As long as you are alive, that is God's invitation to you. Come to me. You will find His steadfast love to be sufficient. You will find release from the cares and the worries of this life. Your perspective will be changed into God's perspective. Clarity will come to you at the hardest decisions you have to make. Endurance will support you through all the pain you're about to go through. And purpose will keep you fixed on a God of all power and hope. Write this down. To follow Jesus is to live by the fear of the Lord. To follow Jesus, that is living by the fear of the Lord. They're not different things. They're not separate things. And with that call to follow Jesus, my encouragement to you, especially this time of year, is to simplify your life. You don't have to do everything that everybody else expects you to do. You have the right to say, I can't, I won't, or I shouldn't. Don't get so stressed out that you are angry, bitter, or jealous of what other people have, and you don't. Now, this, this is this time of year for comparing, comparing presents, comparing, oh no, they gave me this, do I, I have to up my game, I have to give them back this. Like, no, you can be gracious, you can be kind, simplify. Do you have any bad habits? Hey, no chuckling from the peanut gallery. End your bad habits. So you want to really simplify your life? Cut out the sin. Or maybe there are some good habits you have been meaning to start. You don't have to wait till January 1st to start reading through your Bible. It's not a magic day. Oh, well, it's a holiday. Yeah, the football on. Okay, there's some good stuff on January 1st. Read the Bible. You don't have to wait till then. Well, I'm going to catch. Just do it. Just read it every day. Read it. End your bad habits. Start some good habits. Do you have a job or a schedule you need to get out of? If you're following Jesus and living by the fear of the Lord, 
There may be a toxic relationship you need to get out of. Maybe you need to spend more time listening to God instead of just talking at God when you pray. It's going to take us the rest of our lives to fear God properly. Hopefully you'll do what Christians are supposed to do. Fellowship, service, go to church, serve other people, spend more time with your family, meaningful moments with your family, moments where you speak grace and truth into their lives. You need to have a few close, spiritually-minded friends. You need to live on less than you make. You need to be a cheerful giver. You, this is for your neighbors, you need to become predictably kind and forgiving. You need to become predictably kind and forgiving to the point that they are not afraid to ask for your help. Gone are the days of a cup of sugar. Uh, here are the days where, hey, can I have your Wi-Fi password? <laughs> oh, well, I don't, I don't want my computer to run slow. You sure you don't have any data left? Become predictably kind and generous. Like Jesus. To follow Jesus is to live in the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord looks like living like Jesus. All comes down to that. Last line. Christians. We are supposed to fear God as the creator. Christians fear God as their creator. But that's not where it stops. It's not where it ends. It's not enough to just say, I believe in God. It's that second part that matters. We begin to love him as the redeemer. Creator, redeemer. Redeemer is a lot more personal. It's a lot more in your face. And it's a lot more satisfying to have God as your Redeemer. So Solomon, David, they give us really good knowledge about the fear of the Lord, and now we have to live it. I've got homework for you. Ready? Your homework this week is to meditate on Psalm 145. If you need to write that down, that's your homework. We're going there next week for Thanksgiving. And yes, you don't need to text me. I know the word Thanksgiving is not in that psalm, at least not in the ESV. So why would I go there? That's why I'm going there. Just to prove to you that it is a psalm of Thanksgiving, even though it doesn't mention Thanksgiving. Small T, not a capital T. That's just a federal holiday. I don't even know what we're celebrating anymore. We're just thankful. I'm just thankful for Jesus. Like, do I need a holiday to be thankful? <laughs> Eric, do you need a holiday to invite people over to your house? Of course you don't. You do it all the time. He's cooking meals for people. It's not Thanksgiving. Like, you have a lot of Thanksgivings in your life. <laughs> if anybody ever has a holiday ham or turkey in their freezer that they don't want, give it to Eric. He will gladly share it with multitudes of people. Uh, thank you. been hearing rumors of hospitality and rumors of generosity as the holiday season approaches. Thank you. Thank you for giving. Thank you for serving. Thank you. We show the world that we fear God by loving God first, but then what's the second 
then we love one another. Amen. Stand with me and let's pray. Reminder that we've got these Christmas offerings in the foyer of the church on the tables on your way out. Let me encourage you to pray about it. Take one home, pray about it. Ask the Lord, what do you want for Christmas, Jesus? What do you want for Christmas, God? How can I serve you by serving somebody else? How much can I give? Where can I give? And it may not be this. You may feel inclined to give uh, to the Mercy House, to the YWCA, to Hope Outreach. Find a way to give Jesus a gift this year. Does he need it? Of course not. He doesn't need it. But you also have a lot that you don't need. So, And you probably want a gift. I know I do. It makes you feel appreciated, even if it's just a card, even if it's just a phone call, even if it's just a text. Giving attention away is your purpose in life. Bow your heads, close your eyes. God, we come to you as a very grateful people. We thank you for Jesus we thank you, God, that you have revealed yourself since page one of the Bible, that you are a God who is gracious and merciful and kind. You are a God who shares goodness with all of creation. You are a God who does not snuff us out or wipe us out the second we sin, sin but you give us chances over and over again. Teach us to fear you properly. Teach us to love you wholeheartedly. Remind us this holiday season that you are God, we are not, and that Jesus is enough. In his name we pray, amen. The Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that He should give His only Son and make a wretch His treasure. How great the pain of searing loss, the Father turns His face away. As wounds which mar the chosen one Bring many sons to glory Behold the man upon the cross My sin upon his shoulder Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me I will not boast in it.
from Psalm 145, verses 18 and 19. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He will also hear their cry and will save them. There's plenty of food down there, even if you forgot to bring something or didn't plan on staying. We've got lunch down at the end of the hallway for you. If you need to hustle to work, you're, feel free to head to the front of the line. I'm going to pray right now, and we can start eating as soon as we get down there. So, God, thank you for the food. Thank you for providing. Thank you for your goodness. Teach us to love you, fear you, honor you above our own hearts and above anything else that is created. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless.